Um, I gotta say, guys, I'm a little disappointed. So the women are away at a retreat, and the kids are on an outreach. I gotta tell you, I'm expecting barbecues. Like an outdoor fire pit right now, we're uh, cooking some bar sausages. We got the Christian commentary on last week's um, football game. We got some targets and some guns right over here. Pull, boom! It could have been a revival. And not only that, but from this Sunday forward, all the women in the church and in Chilliwack would be sure that they never missed another Sunday. Ever. It's my joy to read the scripture to you this morning. We're reading from Nehemiah chapter 6, if you want to turn there, or just listen along. Now when it was reported to Sembalat, Tobiah, and to the rest of our enemies that I had rebuilt the wall and that no breach remained in it, although at that time I had not set up the doors of the gates. Then Sembalat and Geshem sent a message to me saying, Come, let's meet together at a place I can't pronounce, in the plain of Ono. But they were planning to harm me, so I sent a message to them saying, I am doing a great work and I cannot come down. And why should the work stop while I leave it and come down to you? Well, they sent messages to me four times in this manner, and I answered them in the same way. Well, then Sembalat and his servant <clears throat> sent a servant to me with an open letter in his hand, and in it was written, It is reported among the nations that you and the Jews are planning to rebel. Therefore, you are rebuilding the wall, and you are to be the king according to this, these reports. <clears throat> you have also appointed prophets to proclaim Jerusalem concerning you. A king is in Judah, and now it will be reported to the king according to these reports. So come now, let us take counsel together. Well, then I sent a message to him saying, such things as you are saying have not been done, and you are inventing them in your own mind. For all of them are trying to frighten us, thinking they will become discouraged and the work with the work, and it will not be done. But now, O oh God, strengthen my hands. And when I entered the house of Shemaiah, the son of Deliah and son of Mahamah, who was confined at home, he said, Let's meet together in the house of God within the temple and let us close the doors of the temple. For they are coming to kill you, and they are coming to kill you at night. But I said, Should a man like me flee? And could one such as I go into the temple to save his life? I will not go in. Then I perceived that surely God had not sent him. But he uttered, uttered his prophecy against me, because Tobiah Sembalat had hired him. He was hired for this reason, that I might become frightened and act according to sin. Accordingly in sin. And the wall was completed on the 25th month of Elul, in 52 days, when all our enemies heard of it, and all the nations surrounding us saw it, they lost their confidence, for they recognized that the work had been accomplished with the help of our God. Morning. Two weeks is a long time to be gone. Feels like that anyways. 
So yes, I had a rough week. Thanks, Jim, by the way. Um, had a rough week in Toronto, a day in ER with kidney stones and, uh, I don't know, five or six hours of pain. It starts to blur at the end, just goes on and on. But always makes me grateful for the medical system we have and thankful for you guys praying. Thank you. And it was so good that Jim was able to step in and so timely. It's interesting how these things work out. I really believe that God had that in hand, has our whole church in hand. And we're in a special place right now as a, as a congregation, as a church. I think if we were, we were a couple, it's a little like renewing our vows. And God loves this, loves that we're in a place seeking to deepen our trust in him. So while I was away, you've been thinking together and reflecting on the why. How has God made you? What are you called to be and to do? And what does that look like for us collectively as a body? So we're into February now. There's, this year there are a lot of things you could do looking forward. There are a lot of things that you will do. But there's one thing that you've got to do. So today for the next few minutes I want to talk to you about that one thing. And that one thing is different. For all, for all of us, <clears throat> there's one thing that based on what's going on in your life, in your relationships, in your marriage, your work, your finances, whatever that might be, there's one thing that if you could figure out this one thing, and if you do this one thing, it would leave you in a much better place a year from now. In fact, if some of you got focused on this one thing, you could be in a better place six months from now. And this isn't going to be new information. This one thing is something you've thought about. It's maybe something that somebody has suggested to you. Maybe this one thing is even something that you tried before. But for whatever reason, you lost focus, you got distracted, maybe you got hurt, maybe the enemy took you out and you lost track of that one thing. And I don't know what this is for you. It's different for all of us. But all of us have one thing this year. And if we don't get anything else done, there's one thing we need to focus on and get done this year. So I'll throw out some suggestions, and then we're going to open the scriptures and look through Nehemiah's story at our own lives. When I'm talking about one thing, it could be a habit you need to break. Nobody needs to tell you what it is. You already know what it is. It could be a goal you need to accomplish. It might be a project you need to complete. It might be a relationship you need to restore or a relationship you need to end. Some of you are in relationships right now and the truth is you have a decision to make. If you could push a magic button, if there was no emotional shrapnel, you just push it. For others of you, it's a relationship that needs to be restored. And relationships are so emotional. You know you need to. You know you ought to. You need to pick up the phone. You need to reconnect. When it comes down to doing it, there's always something else you'd rather do because it's so difficult. It might be a debt you need to retire. It's been hanging around forever. Every time you hear a talk about debt, you see those commercials on debt counseling. Every time you see one, you feel guilty. You have that self-conversation of, yeah, I need to do that. So this is just a list. It may not be on your list, but I have a feeling if I were to sit down and talk to you about it, there's something that's kind of hanging over you, and it's that one thing. So I'm going to tell you a story, and I'm praying that during this story, whatever your one thing is, if it hasn't already, it's going to come to mind. Now the interesting thing about this topic is some of these things aren't really spiritual things. 
And yet they so impact your relationship with God and your relationship with others. They're so fundamental. It makes a huge difference if we could buckle down and allow that one thing to become the focus and move beyond it or become whatever it is that God wants you to become. So let me set this story up for you real quick. It takes place about 444 B.C., Artaxerxes was the king of Persia, an emperor really because Persia, uh, now Iran, was the center of the world. He, Nehemiah worked for Artaxerxes. It is tough. He was an exile like the rest of his people. The spoils of war, the result of Israel's disobedience. So many, many Jews are in captivity in Persia at this time. And the city of Susa is the capital of the Persian Empire. Nehemiah was the cupbearer to the king, which we would think of as a wine taster, somebody to make sure that the wine hasn't been poisoned. But he's much more than that. He'd become a friend. He's also an uh, an official in the Persian Empire. He's a Jewish man. We don't know if he'd ever been to Israel because over 100 years before this, the Babylonians had conquered Israel. They destroyed the temple. Remember the story? Destroyed the walls. So this is back when Nebuchadnezzar carted off some other famous Bible characters, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, Daniel. So over 100 years later, Nehemiah is working for a king, Artaxerxes, and he gets this burden for his city. He hears how terrible things are in Jerusalem. So he does a very risky thing. And here's the context. Israel is, is trodden down. As a nation and a people, they're depressed. They're convinced that they've failed God, so God has abandoned them. So Nehemiah has this burden, and he returns to the land of Israel. He shows up, he sees the city, and it just breaks his heart. He takes an entire day and night to travel around the city, to meet the people, to talk to people. And he comes to this conclusion. He realizes that there's no hope for this broken, depressed people unless the wall of the city is rebuilt. I mean, it's the most important thing that that he can do. He just sees this. I mean, there's an economy that that needs restarting. There's leaders that need to be put in place. There's plenty of problems. But the one thing that has to happen, got to get this wall rebuilt around the city. It will give people protection. It will give people people some pride. Basically, it will reform this people as a people together. So Nehemiah gathers all the people who live in the city, all the people from the surrounding region, and he casts this unbelievably compelling vision. There's no miracles in this book, but it's just this incredible story of leadership and somebody who knew how to inspire and encourage others. So Nehemiah pulled the people together. He said, here's the problem. Here's the solution. Here's why we need to do something. And here's why we need to do something now. And the people rallied around. They rallied together. They began to rebuild the wall around the city. This is a huge task. And it takes everybody to be involved. And as they began to make progress, people from the surrounding regions are thinking, "Uh uh-oh, there goes part of our economy. Now we're going to have competition. Uh Uh-oh, there goes part of our freedom to just kind of pillage and take what we want. Uh Uh-oh, if Jerusalem gets the wall rebuilt, they will be a force to be reckoned with. So the leader of the opposition, this guy named Sanblat, and he decided we've got to stop this wall. So in Nehemiah chapter 6, we find this encounter between Sanblat and Nehemiah. 
When it was reported to Sanballat and Tobiah and to the rest of our enemies that I had rebuilt the wall and that no breach remained in it, although at the time I had not set up the doors and the gates, then Sanballat and Geshem sent a message to me. So these guys realize there's no way this is going to stop unless we stop Nehemiah. So they write him a letter. They give it to a messenger. The messenger shows up, rattles his ladder, and Nehemiah comes down. Here's what the letter says. Sanblat and Geshem sent me this message saying, Come, let us meet together in the plain of Ono. But they were planning to harm me. So Nehemiah gets this letter, and he reads this letter, and he's, they're saying, Hey, let's have lunch. But Nehemiah knows they don't want to have lunch. They don't want a discussion. They're trying to harm me so that the work on the wall will stop. So I sent messengers to them, saying, Now what he sent messengers to them saying is the thing that I want to talk to you about today. And this can transform your life in a big way. What comes next is the verse, this verse you can pin on your fridge or at least pin it in your head or in your heart. Because if you take this and make it your own, it's powerful. Here's the message that Nehemiah sent back to Sanblat. So he sent messengers to them saying, I am doing a great work and I cannot come down. You tell Sanblat, I'm doing a great work right here. I can't come down. Got that? It's not complicated. There's something in your life. There's a wall in your world that you need to climb up on and you need to make sure you complete it. Whatever that task is, whatever that thing is that God has given you to do, you need to say with Nehemiah, in this relationship, in my work, in this part of my life or my profession, I'm doing a great work and I cannot come down. So they didn't give up. In fact, here's the rest of his response. So I sent messengers to them saying, I'm doing a great work and I cannot come down. Why should the work stop while I leave it and come down to you? Why should I stop? I'm doing a great work and I cannot come down. Why should I stop doing this great work and come down and spend time with you? How does my leaving my work benefit? They sent messengers to me, messages to me four times in this manner, and I answered them in the same way. So Nehemiah's answer is not changing. So they send another message. Come on, how, how does your schedule look? You know, get my people to call your people. You're stubborn, Nehemiah. Surely there's some point where we can meet. You're not going to work on the wall 24-7, right? Just take a break. And every time they invite him off the wall, he sends the same message. I am doing a great work. And I cannot come down. So here's what's so significant for us. If Nehemiah had come off the wall, if Nehemiah had met with Sanblat and his friends, they would have taken his life. But did you know there's things in your life and there's things in my life, if we don't complete them, if we don't focus on them, they have the potential to ruin our lives. There are things relationally that if you don't give attention to, if you don't tend to, they have the potential to destroy, to kill your family, to kill your marriage, to damage your relationship with your kids, maybe even with your grandkids. There are things, if you don't give attention to them and decide, I'm staying on the ladder until we finish this wall, they can ruin you financially. Some of you have health challenges and you just say, I'm not going to look. I'm not going to pay attention to that. You've told your partner, I'm just going to gut it out. It, it'll all be fine. 
and you come to church every Sunday and things are great, but you're ignoring a fundamental. And if you don't pay attention, it could literally take your life. So this goes to every level of our life. For some of you parents, you need to go in and sit on the bedside by your little kids. You need to sit on their bed and stroke their hair and tell yourself, right here, I'm doing a great work. I'm doing a great work and I can't come down. Or those of you with teenagers, you need to do the same thing. You need to walk in their room when they're asleep. might be late or very early. You need to look at those bodies and those beds and you're thinking, how in the world did they get so big? And you need to look at them and say, this is my great work. This is the greatest thing I can give my life to. I'm doing a great work. I'm not going to allow anything to distract me from the privilege of investing in these lives. Men, that picture you have of your wife and your kids sitting on your desk at work, you need to look at it and say, I'm doing a great work. Yes, there are trips I could take. I could make more money. I could be busy, busy, but right here I'm doing a great work. I can't come down. And ladies, you need to look at your husband and say, well, he's a piece of work. Where would he be without me? But you understand you're not dispensable. Your role is critical in his life. It's easy to get distracted or discouraged. If you're a college student or a single adult, you know the critical things, right? You know the things you've got to do. You know what the wall is for you. You know where the breach is for you. And once you know what that is, you're responsible to decide, this is my wall. I'm doing a great work and I won't come down. Yeah, that's a good opportunity, but I'm not coming down for that. I know what's in my heart that I need to do. And as I'm saying all of this, you know what I'm talking about, don't you? It's not like I have to tell you. I don't have to give you a list. We know the opportunities we need to focus on. We know the relationships that need our care and attention. Will you stay on that wall until you finish the task the Father has given you? So Nehemiah wouldn't come off the wall. That didn't discourage his detractors. They came up with all kinds of new things. They started a rumor about him. This is good. They started a rumor that they hoped would leak all the way back to the king so that he'd yank Nehemiah out of Jerusalem. When Nehemiah heard these rumors, he just shook his head and he said, I'm not leaving the wall until it's done. So they tried something else. When I entered the home of Shemaiah, who was confined at home, he said, let us meet together in the house of God within the temple. Let us close the doors of the temple. They're coming to kill you. A friend of his, well, he thought he was a friend, called him over to his house and he says, hey, listen, Nehemiah, you know you have enemies even in this city. They're good people whose livelihoods are being, livelihoods are being threatened by this wall. There's a group that's planning to murder you in your sleep. You need to go right now to the temple and you need to cling to the altar. And then that day, if a man or woman clung to the altar, then the law said you could not put them to death. So Nehemiah looked at him and said, I don't believe you. And even if it's true, I'm going back to work on the wall. We're not coming down until this wall is complete. I'm doing a great work and I can't come down. I'm not going to let the rumors put me off. I don't care what my enemies are doing. Even my friends aren't going to distract me. I'm doing a great work here, and I can't come down. So eventually they finished the wall. Here's how they tell it. The wall was completed on the 25th of the month, Elul, in 52 days. 
which is amazing. They rebuilt the wall in 52 days. It wasn't the entire ancient city of, city of Jerusalem, but it was quite an accomplishment to rebuild the wall from rubble that had been laying there for over 100 years. When all our enemies heard of it and all the nations surrounding us saw it, they lost their confidence. They recognized that this work had been accomplished with the help of our God. Even though there are no miracles, they don't wake up one morning and part of the wall is done. There's no lightning from heaven striking their enemies dead. These are just men and women who knew in their hearts what needed to be done. This is a leader who understood, I can't come down from the wall. And God honors their work. God honors their discipline. He honors Nehemiah's leadership. And at the end of the day, what happened was so miraculous that everybody understood, even their enemies. God is up to something. And God is up to something with you. And maybe now you know what it is. And the worst thing would be you come back in the summer and somebody else is up here speaking a message like this and nothing's changed. I don't want you to get here a year from now and be carrying around the same old stuff, dealing with the same junk. Your Heavenly Father wants better for you than that. So let me push you a little bit. For some of you, your portion of the wall is a habit you need to break. Maybe you drink too much. Maybe you spend too much time on the internet or watching TV. Maybe you've got an addiction to a prescription drug. Maybe to some extent it's justified. Nobody wakes up and wants to have a prescription drug problem. But for whatever reason you've gotten pulled into this, this is your wall. This is your year. This is the year where you need to say, you know what? I'm not going to be controlled anymore by this problem. Whatever I have to do, this is the end for me. So all I'm saying is this. If that's your wall, you've got to decide. I'm doing a great work. My health is my great work. My future is my great work. Being there for my kids and my grandkids is my great work. I'm not coming down. Don't dance around it. Don't try to control it. This is hard, isn't it? If it was easy, you would already have taken care of it. For some of you, going back to what we said earlier, it's debt need to sell something, maybe move in with family. doesn't matter how you got here. Let this be the year you decide to change. And then this whole relationship thing, right? And the thing about relationships, they're so emotional. And men, you know, we're told we're not emotional. We're the worst. We're so emotional, we're afraid to feel what we feel. But you do, and you're scared. You're scared to death of feeling something. And some of you, you know this, your marriage is going like this. Right now it's here, but a year from now it's going to be here, and five from years from now there, and you know that. Don't spend another year pretending. For your sake, for your kids' sake, for your stepkids' sake, for your grandkids. Would you be willing to say, yeah, it's awkward, it's embarrassing, but would you be willing to sit down with friends you trust in the next few weeks and say, hey, you know, my wife and I, we've just got to say... We're really struggling. We've been pretending. We don't want to pretend anymore. This is our wall. No more pretending. Could be the opposite. Like I said a while ago, maybe you're in a relationship you don't need to be in. You know that if you stay in that relationship, it's going to take you where you don't want to go. You're thinking, I don't know how I'm getting out of this. It's going to be messy. If you know what you need to do, and you know in your heart it's something God wants you to do, that's your wall. I'm doing a great work. 
I'm not coming down until this is resolved in my life. I think I missed that one somewhere. <laughs> no, maybe not. You know, all those, things, all those are kind of negative, but there's a positive aspect to this. For some of you, you've been wanting to start a business or a charity. You've been wanting to launch a ministry, and you've been thinking about it and thinking about it, and every year it comes around again, and you're thinking about it. You're kind of waiting to win a lottery, because if you win a lottery, you could just quit your job and start something. If God has put it on your heart to launch something, climb up that ladder. Get on the wall. Trust God to fill in the gaps. The great news about the story of Nehemiah, there's no miracles, but clearly God is at work. And when you lean into God's will for your life, mountains will move. Oceans will part. Amen? You never know what God will do until you climb that ladder and then you watch and see. So some of you now know what your one thing is. And nothing has changed today, right? Or maybe everything has changed. The one only thing that has changed is something in your mind. You know you've got to make up your mind. And then surrender it to the Lord. And then every single day you have to say, I'm doing a great work. I'm not going to worry about what anyone says. I'm doing a great work and I cannot come down. And here's the thing. You have no idea what hangs in the balance. So whatever your one thing is, my prayer for you, you'll stay the course. You'll ask for God's help. Stay on that wall and mountains will move. Let's pray.